0: Welcome to Equinox, where Rob and I are striking the balance between the light and the dark. This is episode 62, and my name is Joseph Darnell, and I'm joined by my good friend in the original studio, Dr. Robert Carter. Hello, Rob.
1: Hello, Joe. And by original studio, we are actually filming after work in our professional studio, which is kind of neat. We haven't been actually sitting across from each other in...
0: Probably many, many months. It was the be- near the beginning of the pandemic when we shot a few yeah. of the episodes from home. Pretty much a year and a half ago. Yeah. Wow. So we originally, we started it in the studio. We just had a handful of episodes here, really like just two or three. Then we went to my house and we used one of the bedrooms and we were shooting in there. But then as the pandemic dragged on, it's obvious that we shouldn't keep doing that. So Yes. We ended up recording over, not Zoom, but another service like that. I don't remember so anymore, can... so long ago. <laughs> it was just last week. We, we were recording on this other service. What do you mean?
1: Oh, you mean we've used that same service this whole time? Uh, yeah,
0: the whole we time. We haven't changed? No, we started with that service. It's oh, called okay. Zencaster. It's different. really good for podcasters.
1: Okay. Well, see, I never I don't do anything with it. You just send me a link and I click on it. Yeah. Now everybody so,
0: else is talking about using Zoom in the past year because that's what everybody else did. But I like to do things differently. So I, I used this other service called Zencaster. Seamless as
1: far as I'm concerned. So I love it.
0: Yeah. And this is where we started. This is where I want us to finish. I don't really I prefer to shoot in person. Oh and me too. It's really practical to do it over the internet because when you have isolated audio files, my voice is just on my microphone and your voice is just in your microphone. It's so much easier to edit, but this works too. And it actually, the quality in this room is really good. These are different microphones. These are the ministry's microphones and they just sound really good. Yeah. Now you're not using that headset that you usually use. so No, we're so not I probably hear... sound
1: totally different to the audience. I wonder. Yeah,
0: we're not going to hear your, the, the reverb throughout your house.
1: But we might hear the, the thunder that's happening right now outside. Is this the hurricane? Elsa, yeah, maybe Is this probably the front edge of it or something. Yeah, okay. So Florida, you're getting whapped right now, and it looks like we're getting some of the splatter. Yeah.
0: So Rob, what do you want to talk about this week?
1: Well, I know that very often on our shows we have like a little prelude. Hey, check out these little cool sciencey things. But I have so much to say that I didn't actually add any to the outline.
0: Yeah, I like side topics like that too. I love
1: side topics, but we could actually do more than one episode on this topic. I don't even know how far we're going to get. It depends. We could gallop through it really quickly, or we could spend time really discussing some of the really interesting ideas involved in terraforming other planets.
0: Now, when you say terraforming, you're talking about actually doing it? Or is this that like hypothetical science fiction stuff that we would read about in novels in the 1950s? Like, you know, they're colonizing Venus and Mars and the moon. Well, terraforming has a
1: rich history in sci-fi, but also has a rich history in real science scientists at conferences talking, how do we do this? What would it take? Arguing about it, what's the best course of action? We can do this if we have enough money. Interesting. Yeah. So we'll probably get to the economics of it at the end, but-
0: Well, can you start with what would be the motive of terraforming? Because we've got a lot of land on planet earth that we're not really using. There's, there's real estate available.
1: There is real estate available. There's tons of oceans, You can have floating cities- Most of the oceans are deserts. I hadn't thought about floating. The the, the center of the oceans, it has almost no life because there's no nutrients out there. (laughs) There's no fish, but you could build a giant floating city. I mean, hurricanes are a problem. That would be kind of cool. But But hurricanes are in belts. But you just put the city on a
0: really big boat and a really big jet ski boat, you know what Just anchor it.
1: Oh, can we do that? Okay, Yeah, and you could make it as big as you wanted. Make (laughs) it literally be as big as a continent. In the middle of the Pacific Ocean,
0: I have heard that all of the unrecycled waste of plastics is floating around the ocean, and it's about the size of Texas. So we could use that. We could terraform. It's the more diffuse pad.
1: than people realize. Mm. I mean, there's, it's, I've been out in the ocean. I've seen a lot of plastic. And there's hmm, the studio's falling apart.
0: I think the studio is haunted.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a lot of plastic out there, but it's not like you're sailing across the ocean. All of a sudden, you're like Wham, bam, 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 boom, 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 bam, 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 hitting. A giant plastic mountain. So we're um actually on a side topic already, even though we didn't plan it. Science Magazine, just last week, they had a big section on plastics in oh. the environment. And it is profound. Whoa. And it's something I'm starting to hear about five or more years ago. But now we're realizing what, what is happening. And it's not anything anyone anticipated. Really? So it's different from all of the original fears and dreads? It's different because we've learned more, Hmm. but the fears and dreads have been substantiated. Oh, that's great. There's an awful lot of plastic in the environment, and plastics did not exist until the last couple of decades. You're drinking out of a plastic water bottle right now. I feel bad. Well. I've seen, you know, was well, I'm scuba diving, I've seen a little a little bead of styrofoam. You know, the styrofoam coolers made of its little beads. Yeah. And it was just this little white thing in, in the water floating oh. around. And one fish came up and nibbled it and spit it out. Another fish came up and grabbed it and, and spit it out. And oh. like, I saw at least five or six fish eat that thing. That is horrible. And that's just one little example. Yeah. There's tons of plastics in the ocean. They get micro-sized they get sedimented out. There, I mean, there's, there's plastic in the air, it's in the ground, it's in water, it's in mud, it's, it's everywhere.
0: Did they propose any resolutions, ways to
1: deal with it? Um, a lot of people are, are suggesting that we really need to have biodegradable plastics mm. in, the food, in the food chain, in the chain, the production chain, but it's hard to do. But it really would be the, the greatest solution.
0: On a long enough timescale, are the other plastics that are not labeled biodegradable, are they ultimately going to biodegrade?
1: They're going to get broken up into smaller and smaller pieces Hmm. and become part of the sediments. Okay. And eventually they will degrade, eventually.
0: Yeah, we're talking hundreds
1: of years. Probably, yeah. Yeah. But the bigger plastics, surprisingly, they get eaten. Eaten? They get bitten by all sorts of organisms. They chew them up. Then where do they go? Into smaller, well, f- fish poop and, you know, they get into smaller and smaller pieces and something else will grab it. And- so
0: they become expelled and they just keep on getting smaller yeah. and smaller
1: pieces. And that was yeah. a surprise to me. I thought they would, you know, get into smaller pieces through weathering mm. and banging into each other. But no, they actually get chewed on.
0: Mm. This reminds me, I, I had this beverage that was uh, called Soy Lent.
1: Soylent? It was called Soylent. No. Was it green? No. (laughs) They can't call something that? That's (laughs) disgusting.
0: This came out a handful of years ago. (laughs) It came out of California. There was a Kickstarter campaign or something like that. And it was just this idea of, we are really busy, productive startup people, and we don't have time to think about our meal prep for lunch. So if we could have an easy go-to drinkable meal replacement then we can keep working, get more done, and then we can enjoy the evening when we get away from work. Okay. So I bought a few. And I bought a few uh, c- uh, cases of Soylent, and I, I, you know, it tasted kind of mediocre, like mediocre cross between liquefied beans and r- <laughs> like really <laughs> diluted <laughs> vanilla. You know, it was just like really ew, plain. Ew. And... I, I I wanted to complete my cases. I got two cases. I think both had 24 bottles in them. And I wasn't hungry. And then one day I looked at my eyebrow and I had a... I'm looking at your eyebrows. A I had a hair made out of Velcro, basically, coming out of my eyebrow.
1: Your hair got stiffer? It was curly. like,
0: it was like plastic. Like I pull it out and I'm trying to manipulate it and it's basically plastic.
1: Are you sure that's not just age? <laughs> We're talking about a hair that like, you, had you a thick hair. It, you, you had like, a thick hair. It's like,
0: it like cuts through the thickness of the thing. Like you're clipping Velcro.
1: But that's all, um, I can say that I've had several hairs on my eyebrows like that. And then after that, they turn gray. Uh, so just telling you, you know, you're getting at the edge.
0: Well, I had another one on my arm too. <laughs> oh, see, that's a, that's the a thing. Like, <laughs> I, I know about wiry eyebrows. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a human being, and I'm a man, and I'm in my th- mid thirties. All right, but the, the hair also was on my arm, and it, this only happened like in a couple of places. But it was it was basically bio hair. Now, Velcro because of soyland I I contributed to soyland I never had well, one. So, of those soy has in a lot of
1: pseudo estrogens in it, by the way. Yeah. And that, that's, I don't think it's actually a health problem, but a lot of people are like, hey, this stuff's got estrogen. I don't want to give it to my child, oh. especially if it's a male child. Well, I'm not consuming it anymore anyway. Um, most of our listeners have probably never seen the movie Soylent Green. <laughs> Charleston Heston from the 70s. It's a brilliant movie. Yeah. It's disturbing, utterly disturbing, but a brilliant movie for the time. Mm. came out about the same time as Planet of the Apes, so Charleston Heston... After he did Ten Commandments, he was like, The doom and gloom, end of the world. Get your hands (laughs) off me, you filthy ape. You know? Yeah. And that's Soiling Green. So
0: he did a lot of that. Well, there's that one scene at the end of the movie that I've seen online before and it's referred to. It's been turned into a gif.
1: Soiling Green is people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I've never seen the rest of the movie, but yeah. It's
1: it's worth seeing just for the.
0: But that's the thing is that if you've seen literally the big reveal at the end of the movie
1: of the climax. Yes.
0: That is the only time in my lifetime I can remember that that had happened. I'm totally spoiling a film. It was spoiling
1: brain. Um, I'm not going to say the guy's name online, but a friend of mine on the Southampton College swim team, summer swim team. Uh, I was probably in fifth grade when a particular movie came out, and he said because he had seen it before me and I was going to see it that night. He goes, "Didn't you know Darth Vader's Luke's father?" <laughs> what you turkey how could you tell me that i was so angry i was so so
0: so mad the, so, yeah. No, Rob, there's a chance that we have some younger people in the audience that have not got to the empire strikes back I, there's I always people that. born that have I, not I understand seen that the empire strikes and back. i hesitated
1: but you know for a movie that came out <laughs> uh, what 30 years ago yeah 40 years ago i, I think a spoiler is okay
0: <laughs> yeah i know that's what they say but even my kids, like they have had movies spoiled for them. Now, all the Star I Wars wanted movies to movies have introduce been spoiled for all my them. kids.
1: Yes, yeah. I wanted to watch, have them watch it. But like my daughter, she she already knew the story before she saw any of the movies.
0: Well, you can go ahead and spoil t- terraforming for us, though. All right, oh, that's all right.
1: That's That's our topic, isn't it? Yes. Okay. So terraforming the idea of taking Terra Earth and forming something else to make it Earth-like is very deep in sci-fi. Have you ever seen the movie Alien? Mhm. One of the scariest, weirdest, but w- one of better. the best sci-fi movies ever. Aliens, I think it was yeah. actually better. And that's not normal oh, that a sequel's better. I didn't it's know that. Scary, terrifying, but they're at this place and there's all the stuff and not many people. Well, all that stuff was terraforming stuff to terraform a planet so humans could come and live on it later. So, it's there. We know what it would take to terraform a planet. Every single possible planet is different. Even the ones we're going to talk about today, every single one of them has different challenges.
0: Yeah. Size, mass, uh, scale, like the properties of the atmosphere, nearness to the sun. Yeah.
1: It's crazy. All right. So if we're going to terraform something from earth and it's not earth, what's the closest, easiest thing you could think of we can make it earth-like?
0: Well, I, I think everybody, including myself, would think it was Mars. Yes, but something much closer than Mars. Well, uh, terraform you don't terraform a satellite, so you, we could say the moon, but the moon doesn't have any atmosphere. So I, I don't think that that's uh, as practical as it may seem. This is true. So then the only I other I am alternative... thinking the
1: moon. I'm trying to get you to think moon.
0: Oh, okay. Because I, I was going to say it's a toss-up between Venus and the moon, because okay. at least the Venus has more going for it as a planet. There is atmosphere properties.
1: Yes. But, and Venus is a lot closer than Mars is too. It's a lot easier to get to Venus. Mm. But the moon, even though it doesn't have a lot of gravity, it's only got 17% of Earth's gravity. And it has some air molecules floating around it, but it doesn't really have an atmosphere at all. <laughs> but what if you could para terraform? Para. What if you took one of the big craters and put a dome on top of it? Oh, that is awesome. I mean, you take a huge dome. You can make something big, as big as a major city. And now put it I've probably into one of those seen craters.
0: illustrations of that being done somewhere, like as like you know some terraforming sci- science fiction sort of imagination.
1: Okay. Now Venus doesn't have um, Venus. Nah, the moon doesn't have enough gravity to hold in anything like hydrogen, but it has enough gravity to hold water, oxygen, nitrogen for several decades. Oh, interesting. You would never get it up to one atmosphere of pressure, but we don't need an atmosphere of pressure. You can go in a low pressure environment as long as there's enough oxygen pressure. So, you could theoretically release a whole bunch of gas molecules on the surface of the moon and they would stay around for, <laughs> they would slowly get less and less. You have to replenish it, which would be a really big waste because, you know, it's not, oh, yeah. it's not free. So, or you get water and space. Gone, those
0: aren't coming back to planet Earth. Oh, no, they're going to be blown time. out of the
1: solar system. Um, the solar wind is one of the biggest problems in all of our terraforming possibilities. Because the three planets we can talk about don't have magnetic fields.
0: So those supplies, those atmospheric supplies, are finite supplies on planet Earth too, right? Yeah. So so once gone, they're gone.
1: Yeah. But we you, have
0: a lot of it here.
1: We have a lot of it here, and it doesn't leave very quickly. Okay. We do leave a trail of molecules in space. We lose water vapor. We lose hydrogen. We lose helium. We lose oxygen in space because of the solar wind stripping it away from our atmosphere, but it's only a trivial amount.
0: So the earth's magnetic field is what keeps these things grounded, right?
1: The earth's magnetic field shields us from charged particles Mm. coming at us from outer space. So cosmic rays and the solar wind, we're in a side of magnetic bottle. and It's a giant, literally it's like a Avengers. If you had a shield pop up in your arm, that's kind of like red and glowing, but it's just like a force field. Yeah, it does what it is. It's a force field around the Earth. If we didn't have that, we wouldn't have hardly any atmosphere. Yeah, that, that would be a Wakandan. Yeah, yeah, for something sure. like that. I was trying to not think of Captain America, but Wakanda forever. All right, so we have that. The Moon doesn't. Mars doesn't. Venus doesn't. Mercury doesn't.
0: All the other locals are exposed. So
1: therefore, terraforming on any other place is a massive problem. Mm. Because of the loss of potential atmosphere.
0: They're all from the DC universe, and we're from the Marvel universe.
1: Huh? Mm, I didn't. That's funny. <laughs> That's really <laughs> funny. Stupid <laughs> Superman.
0: <laughs> so then, back then to the moon. Can we create some of these properties? Is there a way to invent something like a magnetic field? Or uh, would that be something that comes along with the dome over a crater?
1: Um, If you had a dome over a crater, it wouldn't matter. You don't need the magnetic field to hold an atmosphere. All right. Uh, Well, we could set up a giant magnet tower of some sort on the north and south pole of the moon and create a magnetic field around it, create our own magnetic bottle this is absolutely possible. Yeah, this sounds intriguing. But the energy requirements would be not worth it. Hmm. It's, yeah, you could do it, you know, sort of like a, a Nikola Tesla sort of crazy invention. And yeah. You just kind of electrify yeah, yeah. the whole moon. And, zzz, bzz, 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 and then you can put an atmosphere on it. <laughs> but the quadrillions of dollars you'd have to spend doing that. Why not just encase the entire moon in that giant bubble? Okay. If you're going to build a dome over a giant crater, why not just extend it and extend it and extend it until the entire moon is encased in glass (laughs) and then you're done. You have an atmosphere. You have a, it doesn't even have to be hundreds of miles high. It just has to be high enough that you can pressurize it. Oh, that is wild. And it doesn't have to be one atmosphere of pressure, which is the reason why jet planes, when you go up, your ears pop. Yeah. Because they don't pressurize that to one atmosphere.
0: Oh, right.
1: That allows them to have a weaker hull. They don't have to hold in as much pressure. It's cheaper to make. But the ISS is at one atmosphere of pressure. And that's because of the Russians. Hmm. We experimented. Remember um, Gus Grissom and the other two guys, uh, one of the early Apollo tests where the three Apollo astronauts burned to death in a capsule? Yeah. Um, that was a 100% oxygen environment. We were using that for space flight, and we gave up on it. Oof. Uh, one reason is that we couldn't dock with the Russian. It was a giant challenge. When they wanted to dock with the Russian Soyuz, which they did, and it was this big international peace thing. Oh astronauts and their astronauts are in the same spaceship going back and forth la 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 well they had a different gas mixture than we did and different pressure oh so you can't just open the door Right. They had to think really hard. It wasn't just, hey, we can get our spaceports to join and mesh, and then we can open the doors up and go back and forth. It was like, yeah, but if you open the door, one of them is going to blow.
0: That's something that most science fiction doesn't account for. No. Guardians of the Galaxy style, just bringing your spaceship into port and open up the hatch and <laughs> yeah, everybody dies. Good,
1: right? Yeah. I want a science show where when they step onto another spaceship or something, everyone goes, ooh, pew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> they're all going to stink, but they're all going to stink different. Oh, well, that's a weird smell. You know, uh, they're all going to smell something different.
0: So if we terraformed the moon, would it
1: have a unique odor? I'm sure it would. I'm Just told a combination of all dusk, of our properties that moon, we bring there. That moon dust smells, uh, oh, what was the smell? It's not sulfur, is it? No, no, not sulfur. No, no, but there's a smell to it. That burnt chicken skin or something. No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I don't, I should remember this. I don't remember what it was, but yeah, you because know, mm. when they got into the Apollo crafts, when they got back in, they, they dust all, all over it. their spacesuits. Oh. I see so you repressurize, you take off your helmet and it's like, hey, it smells. Man, it dust stinks. <sighs> what is that? Yeah, moon, exactly. you got moon all over you. you <laughs> got moon all over you. <laughs> so we can terraform the moon. It's the easiest to terraform because first it's close. Second, it's small. There's lots of silica on the moon and a lot of sunlight. And what exactly would you use the silica for? Glass.
0: So there goes your glass dome idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's also water on the moon. A lot of water.
0: Easy enough to get?
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's in the regolith and it's in in frozen ice on the poles or in deep craters. Interesting. And there's quite possibly... Water under the crust, under under the ground.
0: Just given the color of the moon, it blends in really well. You wouldn't notice the the water ice necessarily from the rocks.
1: Yeah, there was an impact on the southern part of the moon. I think it was on purpose. And they had all their spectrometers and things pointing at it. And boom, sure enough, uh, they they detected water. And since then, it's been pretty clear. Just like on Mars, there's water on Mars too at the poles. This is critically important because you can't have life without water. You can't have humans without water. And if there's, you know, swimming pools full of water already there, that swimming pool full of water that we don't have to t- transport from Earth. I mean, how many dollars per kilogram is it to launch material from Earth? And water's <laughs> heavy. Yeah. And if there's water there already, that saves so much money. Mm-hmm. I mean, Elon Musk, if he had to transport all the water they're going to need for a lunar colony, he'd be in trouble. Yeah. Same thing with Mars. The lighter you, you are, the less expensive it is. Mm. So there's silica there. There's water there. There's plenty of light. Well, there's plenty of light for what half a month. Yes, like yes.
0: nonstop. And then the other half is completely dark.
1: Yeah, so it, that's actually a massive problem for heating and cooling and for like, you can't have a greenhouse. Oh, man. You need artificial lighting because 15 days, there's no light in 15 days. there's too much light. Mm. Unless you're at the poles. Then you can maybe set up a giant reflector. Oh, yeah. So, you know, some specific places you could have a giant reflector that just kind of like turns. And so even when you're theoretically pointing in the wrong direction, you can get some light.
0: If we're going to have an expensive terraforming project on the moon and we're already building the glass dome, we can afford the reflector too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's just throw money out the window and not worry about it and talk about all the things that can be done. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we can do it. And I'm looking forward to the lunar bases. Man, that would be incredible just the fact that there
0: is the ice on the moon and on mars it's like begging for it it's like yes. it's like god put this supply here just for the day when it happens you know thousands of years into time and in history like well then when the day comes here you go guys
1: what if you sped the moon up what if you made it rotate because right now it's tidally locked to the earth it rotates once a month the same face is always pointing toward us.
0: So we put like some jets on the rockets on one side and kind of give the moon a push,
1: or we deflect a couple of comets. Ooh! Now, of course, I mean, yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, what could go wrong? <laughs> Oops! Smacking into the Earth, or a little piece breaks off and hits Peoria. I mean, that, that'd be really <laughs> bad. Yeah. yeah, we don't want Peoria anyway. Yeah. So a lot of people floated ideas like that, and again, the physics is there. The money's not there, but the physics is there. We could go grab a thing and send it at the moon and aim it just right and hit it tangentially and cause the moon to spin. It would take this many comets, oh, this wow. much mass. Oh, yeah. So it's possible. It's just not practical. I mean, it's so much easier just to build a bunch of domes and link them together or just put a whole bunch of pillars all around the moon and just put up a false ceiling yeah. around the whole thing.
0: Yeah. Mm.
1: But… Does cool. it – the question always comes up is, what does that actually solve? Does <laughs> it give us more space to live? Well, no, because in one generation, there could be 14 billion people. Yeah. I mean, with, with exponential population growth, we could theoretically populate the entire universe in short order. Yeah, So, so – even, even if we took Venus tomorrow and terraformed the whole thing, it solves nothing. <laughs> well, we do it because it's cool. We do it because it's cool, but it doesn't provide – super amounts of living space for people because we'll fill it up so quickly anyway.
0: Speaking of hypothetical scenarios, then could we – we are being a little imaginative with the mathematical numbers here, but could we double the capacity for human life on Earth if we would just start building cities or the like underneath, underground? You know, like put an extra layer of civilization one or two flights down.
1: Yeah, sure. But who wants to live underground? I mean, here I am – you know, both of our offices have no windows. Yeah. And, you know, like today, I, twice today, actually, I walked into the front office just to look out the front door to see what the weather was doing because yeah. I have no connection to the outside world.
0: Well, in the other direction is you just start building up. You just have a city. Yeah. You have uh, civilization and, broader
1: and, and that's wider. that's what we do. Yeah. New York City, Shanghai. Go um, up. Yeah, they just go up.
0: Well, then what are the other practical reasons for terraforming the moon and the like?
1: Um, Last week, and probably the week before, we talked about this book I'm reading, 1493. Yeah. It is shockingly amazing. Interesting. But the part about the Jamestown colony, which was the moonshot of the 1600s.
0: Yeah, well, just, you know, summarize the scenario then.
1: All right. So we had the world's first worldwide empire was Spain. They were colonizing the Americas and the Pacific. And it was shocking how big their empire was. So, England was like, hey, we want to get to China also. Let's go and colonize North America. Then we can walk across North America and sail to China from the western coast. They just didn't realize North America was 3,000 miles wide. They thought it was 300 miles wide. So, they start, how do we do this? And Sir Walter Raleigh wrote books on how to make a colony. It It was amazing intellectual pursuit of the day. How do you do that? And they concluded, it has to be economic. It has to to fend for itself. They have to make money. And the Virginia colony failed. It went bankrupt. And had they not discovered tobacco, there might not have ever been a Plymouth colony because the Roanoke colony had already failed. The second Roanoke colony failed. The Jamestown colony failed. Mm. Too many people died because basically they built their town in a mosquito-infested swamp that none of the Indians were stupid enough to build there. And the Americans are like, hey, or the Americans, the the Europeans, the the English are like, hey, no one lives here. This is free (laughs) land, Uh, you dummies. (laughs) Anyway. yeah. So that colony would have absolutely failed. In fact, the Plymouth colony, it was an economic colony. The financial backers did not allow only pilgrims to come. About half the people were company people. And the pilgrim fathers complained about these non-Christians in their minds, people amongst them. But- the people, the people who sponsored them are like, no, you owe us a lot of money. How are you going to pay it back? And they found fishing. Mm. And fishing was how the Plymouth colony survived, barely. Farming didn't cut it. They didn't know how to farm here yet. Mm. But fish stocks were huge in Cape Cod. And that's how basically they paid off the loan. It was economics. So can we economically populate the moon?
0: Well, I mean, You have to create industry. Yeah. You have to have... what industry. Something that the
1: tourism is limited. Yeah. I mean I would do it in a second, but space tourism, what what industry can we do on the moon? Astronomy. Mm. So there's gonna be some scientific things. Solar farms and beam a laser back to earth to power of the earth? Maybe. <laughs> Helium 3 harvesting? What would you do with that? Oh something about fusion reactors or something. Yeah I don't know whatever. Okay. It's just um I'm I just kind of picked that out of my hat. Um I don't know. I can't I don't know what could be economically doable there. Once you have enough people living somewhere, they start producing. And the more people you have, the more economically sound you are. So we would kind of want to get to the point
0: where we could do the things on the moon that we enjoy doing on planet Earth, just with another scenery, with another location. Yeah, you another need, option.
1: You need a lot of people so you have a division of labor.
0: It's it, but it, it is crazy unique to say you know hey kids do you all want a vacation at the beach or in the mountains or at the moon this year yeah that is pretty cool and then it, enticing too for industry if you can go to your your uh the when you're hiring and you can say hey we're opening up the offices on the moon mm-hmm. so you, you Who get wants to be the first starbucks moon? barista yeah
1: yeah moon coffee yeah
0: send me up
1: <laughs> that's and incredible proceed, that's just it there's the guy who wrote The Martian, which one of the best science fiction books I've ever read. A lot of four-letter language, which I didn't appreciate, but the book was amazing. The movie was amazing. Again, a lot of four-letter language, whatever. It was an amazing movie. He also wrote a book about a moon colony called Artemis. And I read the preview, but I was too much of a cheapskate to actually pay for it on my Kindle. Hmm. Um, but it sounds promising, and someday I do want to read it.
0: And Artemis is what?
1: It's a book about a colony on the moon. Oh, gotcha. Yeah.
0: yes. so uh, his name is Drew
1: Goddard. Yes. Well, the, the beginning part of the book is talking about, you know, these people, and this is their jobs on the moon. So they have to work. And you have to, you know, you got someone who's sweeping, someone who's fixing. You have the plumber, you have the electrician, you have the computer people. You, there's a lot of work to be done, and you need a division of labor. And by that I mean is, once you have a food supply, how many people does it take to grow food for the number of people that you have? <laughs> If you can grow that much food, everyone else is free to do something else. And so they can have labor, they can do something for somebody else, and it's an exchange of goods. And that's how an economy works. And it has to be self sufficient because the costs involved are such that no financial backer is ever going to, they're not going to give you a loan to start a moon base unless that can be paid back. Mm. And that's the kicker because you can have a self independent colony where everyone's taking care of stuff, but how do you exchange money back to Earth? What can you give the people on Earth? in return for their investment. And that's, I don't, I don't know how to answer that one. Yeah. Huh. But governments can do it. Or even you know, someone like Elon Musk, he's so filthy rich now. <laughs> he's got all these things that he's doing and a small portion of that can be siphoned off to start a, a Mars colony. But isn't that a giant waste of money?
0: Well, you do have the singular <laughs> like privilege of being the guy who did it in the history books. And I mean, Elon Musk would lo- love to have that. <laughs> no yeah recognition.
1: but let me ask you a question again then yeah
0: is that a waste of money can you put a price on prestige that yeah. size
1: actually it's not a waste of money because all that money is being spent here on earth <laughs> <laughs> yeah right they're paying the okay. guys to build rockets they're paying for the infrastructure they're paying for the rocket fuel they're paying for the food and the foil packets and all that kind of stuff and they just bring it off world yeah but that goes into an economy yeah I am mean, the guy who owns the company that makes the food packets are going on the Mars thing. That guy's driving a Lamborghini.
0: Yeah. And he's not going to space.
1: He's just reaping the profits of the. So economically, there's really strange things happening. And so Elon Musk can take 1% of his money and send it to Mars, but no one else can because <laughs> they're not going to have enough disposable income to, to terraform Mars, <laughs> to terraform the moon. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how that's going to work, but. That's my story on
0: the moon. Now, the economics would mostly be the same whether you're going to the moon
1: or Mars or Venus. It's just difference in scale.
0: Yeah. Okay,
1: so then moving on to Mars. Mars or Venus, which one do you want to do first?
0: Which one do you think mankind would do first?
1: Mars. Okay. Because it's easier because you can land on the surface. Okay. That's a good reason. We can do Venus. You just can't land on the surface until you're ready.
0: Yeah, we can basically just
1: make a cloud city. Yes, which we'll talk about because that's the coolest thing. I want to go to float above the sulfur cloud. Yeah, okay, okay. But Mars, more gravity than the moon, 38% of Earth's gravity.
0: That's still pretty slim. That's pretty slim. So a 200-pound person
1: or 100-pound person would weigh 38 pounds. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be be very fun to play ball, you know. Yeah, but then your muscles atrophy
1: and you get used to the gravity. Would it? Oh, that's sad. Yeah, you would change. (laughs) So I think we should sleep in giant centrifuges, <laughs> fake gravity while you're sleeping. Nice, or maybe even you know a room that just rotates. Yeah, and the floors are at a thirty degree angle, and so you feel like you're standing straight, <laughs> and you're rotating. Maybe something like that, just to keep the gravity up. I don't know, but that's cool. Yeah, or just let yourself yeah. go, and let yourself change. You can never come back to Earth again. <laughs>
0: oh, that'd be terrible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Mars has a very weak magnetic field and so there's a problem of the solar wind now it's a lot further away than earth is so it's a weaker solar uh solar wind but it's still there and you get cosmic rays which are charged atoms flying in from other places in the galaxy and the solar wind and um just radiation wise is quite toxic
0: so speaking of the martian uh, i remember from another one of our conversations that a uh, like a sandstorm or a dust storm would not be the crazy, dangerous, lethal storm right. that it was depicted in the film. And why was that?
1: Well, the author needed a, a beginning to a story. And so he tried to stick to science as much as he could. But in this one case, he said, okay, this is not realistic. I this giant sandstorm has a lot of powerful wind. No, the Martian atmosphere is 1% of ours. You can't get a strong wind on Mars you can waft up tiny, tiny, tiny little dust particles. And the reason that the dust storms last so long is because those dust particles are really small mm. and there's no rain to strip them out of the atmosphere.
0: So in general, the weather is pretty peaceful on Mars then.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 Even, even the, a windstorm, you could stand out there and you probably wouldn't notice
0: the wind. <laughs> That's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. But it has no magnetic field, which is a what problem. About, what and? about uh, hours of a day?
0: Like how long would it be daylight and
1: darkness? Um, one sol on Mars is 24 hours and 40 minutes. That is so close. It's perfect. Because you know how you like to stay up late and then you have to fight getting up in the morning? Yeah. Well, on Mars, you can stay up late every single night. Right. And the next morning is 40 minutes later than it should be. It's perfect. I would like to sleep a half an hour later every day. That'd be pretty great. And I think, I think we would instantly adapt to that schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Just a cool idea. It is. And the axis of Mars is tilted about 25 degrees.
0: Yeah, we're 23, right?
1: Yeah, it's almost the same. So there are seasons mm-hmm. on Mars. Yeah. It's just because their orbit is is so much wider than ours, their seasons are about twice as long as ours because a Martian year is a lot longer than an Earth year. So less gravity, but the day is right and the seasons are right. There's no air pressure. We could make, a, make an atmosphere on Mars. It'd be better than the atmosphere on, on the moon. It would last longer. hmm It'd still go away though, but it'd be better than the one on the moon. It could be thicker, but we could also fake the atmosphere. We could put like chlorofluorocarbons, which are heavy molecules, and that would produce a thicker atmosphere quicker.
0: So even though Mars is a good deal further, would it be easier to terraform Mars than the moon?
1: Uh, Yes, because more gravity is more space. Problem is it's so cold. Mm. Even the daytime, it's cold on Mars.
0: So, w- in comparison to the moon, what is that like? Like, oh, how do the rules of temperature on the moon compare to the temperature on Mars?
1: Well, the moon is—it gets hotter in the daytime and colder at night because the day is the day is fifteen or thirty days long. The night is fifteen days straight. So Mars is a little more even than that, but it never really warms up. Okay. So my solution is paint Mars black. <laughs> it literally, take anything you can do to retain heat. Put you know, 50-gallon drums full of water, painted black, all over the place. In the daytime, they they heat up, and at nighttime, they release that heat. Oh, cool. And, you know, maybe it'll be 10 below instead of 50 below, but 10 below is okay. There's no wind. There's no atmosphere to suck away. The, you know, there's no moisture in the air to, to make you cold if it's windy.
0: That reminds me, a uh, few weeks ago, we went to Six Flags, and my biggest complaint is that everything has a fresh coat of pavement every year, More tar. And every year when you get close to summer here in Georgia, it's just excruciatingly hot. And it's not really the weather's fault. We got a gentle breeze a lot of the time. We're going next Wednesday. Yeah. Beware of the
1: asphalt. Okay. I'll wear industrial grade Mm -hmm. (laughs) shoes. It's murder. Okay. So, but you can do that on Mars. Paint everything black.
0: Yeah. Just put pavement everywhere. Mm -hmm.
1: But here's something people don't quite get. Because of cosmic rays and solar wind, you can't spend your life on the surface of Mars. You need shielding. Physically? Yeah. Or you're going to die. Is it something you can just like spray on every day? No. You get out of the shower? No, you go underground. Oh. You need a couple of feet of rock protecting you from the radiation coming in from space. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so Mars is going to be more underground than people realize.
0: But if we put a dome over our colonization, would that
1: suffice? That can, that can slow down a lot of things, but not high-energy cosmic rays. They're, they're pretty powerful. They probably go through a lot of the glass.
0: So what if somebody did go to Mars and didn't protect for this sort of thing? How would that impact their health and their life expectancy?
1: Uh, well, it's the same problem on the ISS. Um, I imagine, I'm, I'm, I'm going out on a limb here. I imagine you're going to die of cancer. I I'm imagine that you're going to age quicker. You're just going to get, you're basically getting nuked <laughs> and you don't want that. So, you stay, But see, if we're underground, then we can have greenhouses underground too. I mean, terra—I mean, not terraforming, um, hydroponics, it's almost becoming trivial. You don't need sunlight. In fact, you don't even want sunlight. One of the biggest problems with the sun is that it's so variable and plants have to adapt to the average amount of sunlight that they get. So if you put a plant that gets one hour of bright sunlight a day and the rest of the day it's in shade, it doesn't photosynthesize when it's under full sun. <laughs> Because it can't, because if it did that, it would not be able to photosynthesize at all when it's in the shade. Huh. So it says, no, no, it turns itself off. It just photo adapts, shuts it down. Well, that means that plants in a field, they usually photosynthesize from like nine to 11 in the morning and three to four in the afternoon. And that's it. Hmm. At noon, they're not working. They actually shut everything down. But in a greenhouse with one light intensity, you can get a lot more efficient photosynthesis. <laughs> hmm. Because they can just burn all day long at whatever that light intensity is. They'll just keep on trucking. And so why would you have a dome exposed to sunlight on Mars when you can have a greenhouse underground where hmm. there's no radiation and a nice steady light source? Yeah, okay. Oh. So again, I don't know what the purpose of a Mars colony is.
0: Yeah, and it's like you said, the problem with planet Earth is going underground that it's not pretty and it's nothing we would want to live in for yeah. the long term. We'd go crazy. And yeah. yeah, it would happen to us on the moon and on Mars, Yeah, but frankly.
1: You, you're going to have to have a place with a, with a sun dome.
0: It seems like a lot of the science fiction tries to solve this by just giving people screensavers of like gardens and forests and beachfronts properties, yeah, uh, you know, in their, their habitats on yeah. the other planets. But, but that's kind of hilarious because you're depicting, picturing Earth while you're visiting Mars, where you have your advanced civilization and all this innovation, and you are on Mars, but and you're picturing look, Earth where you yeah. really want to be.
1: Yeah, that's funny, where you really <laughs> want to be. That's funny. So the, the human element is going to be critical here.
0: There's no place like home is what I'm saying. Okay.
1: The artists and the attention to detail is going to dictate whether people go insane off world or whether they like being there. It can't be monotonous. It can't just be olive drab everywhere. And you have to have pretty much
0: is. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You can't just be steel. Like, you know, a lot of spaceships, it's just steel on the inside everywhere. And so all the, all the corridors look the same. No, that's even worse than a hospital. It has to be aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Or people will turn into mass murderers going crazy. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) it will be like a regular day in the, in the computer game among us. Yeah. So, um, I'm a little rusty on the details. Uh, what about moons around planets like Venus or Mars? Mars doesn't have any moons? Mars has two moons. Okay, what are the Phobos chances and of terraforming that and would we want to?
1: They're shaped like potatoes. They're very small. <laughs> They're not even big enough to self-accrete into a spherical object. Okay. So, the so, gravity on those things is pathetic. Uh and Venus has no moons. Would they look
0: good from the night sky if you were down on Mars? You know, look up and say, oh, there's our potato moon. There's our um, other potato moon.
1: I, I don't know how far hmm. away. If they're as far away as our moon, you wouldn't even be able to see them. Oh. But they're probably closer. And I, I don't remember.
0: That has been one of my favorite types of illustration in science fiction, where you just say, like, what would it look like if Jupiter was as close to planet Earth yeah. as the moon? And then you, like, Photoshop in jupiter yeah. into of course the, we would be a
1: satellite of jupiter at that point yeah
0: <laughs> oh, but, and, and you know it, it's just actually a really interesting thing to look at uh, the, like what would it look like to be you know uh, on the surface of another planet and see their moons up in the sky yeah that'd be an interesting thing to yeah.
1: see U- usually though sci-fi gets it totally wrong the giant ringed planet so close no or two suns impossible hmm you can't have two suns and have a planet orbiting it because the, the gravitational perturbations will sling the planet away or suck it into one of the suns. You can't, unless you're really, so, unless you're so far away that the two suns are essentially a point of gravity. Oh, right. But then you don't have enough light. Hmm. So, all those things where you have two or three suns, wrong. That's too bad. Wrong. Yep. Yep. Sorry, tattooing. It's not going to happen. Yeah, sorry. That's exactly what I was thinking.
0: Interesting subject. It is. Why would we call it terraforming? Doesn't terra mean something to do with Earth?
1: Yes, Earth forming.
0: So, would it be called something else if we were forming the moon or Mars? No, because we're
1: making them Earth like.
0: Okay. Earth like.
1: Yeah, we want Earth somewhere else or forming them into Earth.
0: Interesting. Well, now you know, guys. Thank you for joining us on this quest. And if you found this episode interesting, which I know it was, consider sharing it with your friends and family. This episode's links and show notes to anything that Rob wants to throw in there is available in most podcast players with the show. You can also find the show notes, the description at nightowl.fm slash equinox slash 62. And if you want to get Equinox Plus, that is the bonus material content for the show and show your support and get more episodes with me and Rob discussing anything else in the bonus content. Equinox Plus is available on Patreon and you can get the link in the show notes. You should also check out Biblical Genetics, which is Rob's other project. Biblical Genetics is also available on Facebook and YouTube, where you can watch the videos and join discussions in the comments. And you can find me on Twitter. I'm at JCS Darnell, or take a listen to my other podcast, Hi-Fi, which is also available at Night Owl. Until next time, goodbye, Rob. Goodbye, Joe. You have been listening to Equinox. Some chicken and the entire show. I'm like stifling back burps, and I have a mute button on my computer back home when we do this over the internet. But here, uh, a mute button is across the room.
1: Yeah, I um ran out of groceries, and so you know tonight or tomorrow will be a big grocery shopping day. And I was like, okay, what well, do I have to lunch at work today? So I just grabbed a can of um, chicken and rice soup from Campbell's. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that when I first started down, like, oh, 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 boy, oh. yeah,
0: gurgles in the stomach. Yes, time. yes. I had a very delicious meal last night. My, my wife made homemade uh, bread in a Dutch oven. Oh, Do you know what that is? Oh, well, yeah. I, I didn't even know what a Dutch oven mm. was. I've heard of them.
1: Okay. On a campfire or in a stove?
0: Uh, in a stove, okay. yeah. Oh, and this other thing she did, she made a, a BLT and it was really amazing. Uh, you don't like BLTs? Rob is making a horrible
1: expression right now. I, I cannot stand the thought of biting a tomato. Oh, yeah. They're slimy. My son can't stand it. And they don't taste good. I don't care what people say. I don't like the flavor. We and just had
0: some incredible cherry tomatoes. I don't, I don't care. Fresh of the
1: season. I don't care. Really? I can't get past the texture or the flavor. That's and how
0: I felt when I was little, man. I'm, but I'm you not, not a huge fan up. of bacon. Yeah, bacon's not, cra- I'm it's not crazy. It's funny because everyone's bacon. like,
1: bacon, bacon, bacon. I'm like, yeah, no, whatever. I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm
0: very picky and critical about my bacon.
1: Yeah, it's got to be done right. And even then, I would take a slab of hmm. uh, Canadian bacon anytime.
0: Yes. But okay, so sub? you could have an HLT, some, you know, ham and lettuce and, yeah, okay, make but the tomato the just really thin. Nah, no. Nah, nah, nah.
1: <laughs> okay, so. Ham, lettuce and cheese, that'd be good. I, I would do that. But. I think the trick
0: to tomato is making it sliced really thin and letting it sit out to kind of drip all of the juices off and get rid of that pulpy seed stuff that's just crud in between the meat. You want just the meat, and you want it to dry out a little bit, air out a little bit. Never dream of biting in a tomato. If you don't, if you're not crazy about tomato, biting into a tomato sometimes can like put off some strange, f- fruity vegetable
1: yuck. And yet, cooked odor. tomatoes don't taste like anything like a raw tomato.
0: And they don't know what so they want tomato to be. Sauce Are they fruit? Are they a vegetable with our Mind.
1: Now, there's some sauce that tastes tomatoy. I don't like it. Or even even um spaghetti sauces in a can. If it says tomato and basil, I won't get it because it tastes like tomato. Yeah. But if it doesn't say, you know, it doesn't have a tomato word on it, it won't taste like tomato and be okay.
0: Okay. The worst was when I was growing up, my mom and dad liked the chunky spaghetti sauces. Yes. So you could get like-
1: I can't find a spaghetti sauce that tastes good. Uh, it doesn't have tomato chunks in it. Someone's the, 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 them out.
0: Stuff doctored up at home is the best. You know, getting a doctored mom's up.
1: tomato sauce that she would cook all day long and yeah. you'd be like oh i gotta eat and it's yet smell and oh
0: <laughs> not my mom's she would have zucchini and carrots and mushrooms and extra onion and chunky tomatoes in the spaghetti sauce
1: we we lived on a bay at a marina growing up because we go we go clamming and muscling and fishing and if we went muscling my mom would make pickled mussels I, I you I, open I up refrigerator the refrigerator and it would be staring oh! you in the face and that smell would waft out. You're like, oh, I'm dying. They're uh. so gross. <laughs> but to mom's credit, she never bought star-bought tomatoes. Oh. Or hardly ever. She would yeah. either grow them herself or get or go to a farm stand. Hmm. And so she there wouldn't be no tomatoes in the house in the wintertime because they weren't any good.
0: So how do you feel about pizza, to, uh, tomato-y based sauces? Do you, yeah, you good. Okay, okay, it's cooked. cooked with
1: that? Yeah. It doesn't taste the same.
0: No, it's a marvel.
1: But one time at a... At a pizza place, John's Pizza in Hampton Bay's, where we always went, the the guy didn't put the cheese all the way to the edge of the crust and it was like a three inch band of red around it. Ew. And that was really off putting because it yeah. wasn't enough cheese, first of all. And the second of all, I was like, this is really tomato-y. Ugh. So Yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Mm. Well that's a good place to stop. It was a strange post show and unexpected. <laughs>